Welcome to MCW Wired, the first ever episode of MCW's official podcast. My name's Simon Tackler. My co-host is Nims Azor. Nims, are you excited? And I'm absolutely pumped. But you know what, Simon? A brand new official MCW podcast would be pretty boring if it wasn't for the talent and some of the huge stars that MCW have. So we put it out on Facebook and said, hey, look, we're going to be starting this brand new podcast. Who's the first talent that you'd like us to chat to? And I don't want to say the word landslide, but uh, it kind of was a landslide who the fans wanted first. Absolutely. You can't argue with the numbers. He's one of MCW's rising stars. He's already cemented his place as one of MCW's biggest stars. And we did lots of recounts too. We double-checked and triple-checked this. Those numbers don't lie. (laughs) Absolutely not. Our first ever guest on MCW Wired (laughs) by popular demand, it's the lover boy, Lockie Hendricks. Lockie, welcome to the show. Howdy, my brothers and sisters. Howdy. I didn't cheat. This is what the fans wanted. Uh... I'm very happy to be the first ever guest of this uh, MCW wide, and I'm very excited to see what the fans ask. It's a it, it's a very good day for professional wrestling. Look, Lockie, I'm actually surprised to be talking to you because, look, I'm a brand new MCW fan. I only jumped on board in the last two years, and during my oh. first bouts of going to the Thornbury Theatre. We were getting ready for the Lockie Hendricks farewell tour. I mean, I was ready to see you off into the sunset and wave you goodbye, but uh, you decided to stick around a little bit, brother. Oh, well, you know, uh, plans change and everything. Uh, I had a match with a certain uncle at uh, Wrestle Rock, and uh, after that, you know, things changed, and now and then I met my spiritual good, and now things have changed. I'm here for the long haul. Love a boy, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Well, let's rewind things a little bit to sort of the beginnings for Lockie Hendricks. How did it all start for you going on this journey of professional wrestling? Well, I was always, I I remember being a fan of professional wrestling since I was three or four years old. I used to have the WCW Nitro ring and uh, used to play, you know, with those toys. Uh, I I had WWF toys, so the uh, canon was totally uh, incorrect. but then, so after that, uh, I didn't have uh, Foxtel for a little bit, uh, but my nan did. So around six or seven, uh, I got didn't even really get back into it. I just got to watch it again. And me and my nan would always watch it. And it was, uh, it was it, she, she had some interesting thoughts about it. Um, but then from there, like for me, once, you know, I, I remember what Bobby Heenan said. Uh, in his Hall of Fame speech, once you're in, you're in. Like, once you're in this business as a fan, you are in this business. Uh, And then from there, like, I always just wanted to be a wrestler. Uh, I would always tell everyone I was going to be a wrestler. And I think everyone thought it was like a phase, but for me it was never a a phase, sorry. Um, It was always that I was going to be lover boy Lockie Hendricks, professional wrestler. (laughs) Yeah, and that's interesting. I think for anyone like us, obviously, we're all huge fans. While Nims and myself only went down the path of talking about pro wrestling, we never made the jump to get in the ring. I think that takes, you know, sort of that next level. For you, what was that point when you thought, for real, you're going to go to training? What was that first day like, too, getting in the ring for the first time? 
<laughs> so I was always like, I always said, I'm going to do this. Uh, but my mum would always say to me, no, not until you're 18. Uh, so I would, but I was always like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. Uh, and the first day, I remember the first day I went to training, did all the drills and everything. And I'll never forget <laughs> the person who was the trainer said to me, enter the ring. And, uh, you know, this is the first time I'm entering a ring and I think I'm going to do the coolest entrance you've ever seen. I'm going to slide into that ring. I'm going to do it absolutely spectacularly. So I go to run and I slide. My head hits the bottom rope. I ricochet off. <laughs> and the trainer was just like to me, he's like, no, you're not getting in the ring after that. So you make a lot of mistakes when you start. Well, that's what's kind of really important these days with the MCW Academy and uh, with so many people yes. that, you know, want to be a wrestler these days. I mean, everyone sort of thinks, anyone that isn't a fan of this business sort of thinks, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could I could bounce across ropes. I could jump off uh, and do this and do that. Mm. When you actually had your first match and when you first stepped into a wrestling ring, was it everything that you expected? It was very fast. I remember that feeling because, you know, you, you build this up. For, for me, it was 16 years at that point of what's going to happen when I first get into a ring. You know, you watch countless video matches, everything, and you're building up to that moment. And my first match was against Mike Burr, MCW Ascension 2014. And I, I remember when it was all you know, over, I was just so like, it, it was, it was like a flash had just gone like, there's not more like, uh, but it was everything I ever wanted it to be. Uh, yeah. And, and like anytime you're sort of, and especially with what everyone's sort of going through now, anytime you go through, you know, hardships in wrestling, I always like to think about that first time and how it made me feel, you know? And what did the family think after that first match you were, you followed through with your childhood dream did they think, oh, okay, it's probably still a phase by that point? Or were they like, okay, he's done it? <laughs> they thought I was a superstar, my brother. No, no. Um, they are uh, very supportive. Um, but, you know, this is a risky thing to get into. Uh, there's no guarantees. There's a lot of, you know, you can get very hurt. Uh, so <laughs> I think any you know, person who's telling their family, hey, this is what I want to do. And then when the family sees that, it's very much like, oh, my God, like, God. And then your first match, it only gets worse and worse for everyone. <laughs> so, obviously, you've had a quite a storied career uh, with the MCW family at the moment. To see where MCW oh, is at now, you know, with the, the shows at the Thornbury Theatre and they're just getting more and more vocal mm. and more and more loud. For you, what's it like knowing that you've got that much support and at the same time too, that much uh, judging eyes on you? Because let's face it, everyone's got their favourites and sometimes, Mr. Loverboy, you're not that favourite. <laughs> You know, I used to be a very different man. Uh, yeah, I was, I was a bit mischievous. I was a bit cheeky. Uh, I used to, used to have a different hair color. I was a hard person to like back then. So, I, I think though, when I first started, we were in the yellow walls of Tullamarine Public Hall, and to constantly see that growth of, you know. You go from there to Essendon. With Formby always being the, like the big show, um, I think the growth of eventually Formby becoming the big show, you know, the, the, not even the big show, just the show, 
year round, I think that's just very special. Uh, and, and it's been an honour to be part of that growth. I probably wouldn't have said that to you a year ago. I probably would have said it was all me, but it is an honour to be part of that growth. <laughs> we have seen so many different sides of Lockie Hendricks in just a short few years in MCW. Oh, yes. Has that always been inside of you, all these different parts of your personality? Are they just extensions of the same young man who first got into wrestling? We're going deep in isolation, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) I might have to pay you a therapy bill after this. Um, I think, you know, with wrestling and in life in general, you're constantly growing. When I was 19, the way I acted, being the lock star, come on, yeah, uh, you know, lover boy, hated, I hated what that was. I hated what that represented. Um, and then now, the, the man I am now, with the help of my spiritual guru and everything, I, I'm, uh, you know, I don't, I don't hate what I was now and I don't regret it. I don't think it's, you know, good to have regrets in life, but I look back and there's shame. Um, because of how I acted. And now I am truly happy with the being that I am before you. So to anyone out there that's at the MCW Academy, because, you know, everyone's young at some at one point in time. You just mentioned mm-hmm. that you learned it's a growing experience. But how important is it to sort of take a few risks here and there and, like, you know, maybe just put all your eggs in one basket and think, I believe in this, but perhaps I can change, I can do this. How much would you say to someone who's got a preconceived version going into the academy saying, nope, nope, I'm going to be this, to sort of tell them, why don't you just go with the flow and see what happens at the end? I I learned very early on by a uh, remarkable uh, man named Chris Fresh not to die on uh, every hill. Like, don't die on every hill. There's going to be hills that you're going to die on. Because, you know, wrestling life, it's all about compromise. We all have to do things that, you know, we might not think is right, but we all we also have to fight for what we do think is right. It's all about compromise, especially in wrestling. It's a very, like, it is pretty much the compromising sport. Of, <laughs> you've got to, But then there are some times where someone wants you to be this version of yourself, you should, and if you don't agree with it, you've got to be selfish with wrestling, but you can't be too selfish. I learned it the hard way. I was very selfish. I was very mean to people. I used people to get what I wanted. And I now look and I'm now like, I, I, I did it the wrong way. But that only happens because with wrestling, you do have to make mistakes. Well, in saying that, how you've evolved as a person, do you look back at your time battling alongside Cracker Jack and then, of course, mm-hmm. battling against Cracker Jack? Do you look at it differently? Is this Lockie Hendricks looking at that time of his life different than the lover boy would have maybe a year ago? Oh, of course. You know, I've learned so much from my uh, guru and everything that what me and Cracker Jack, you know, shared and have everything like that it's a it was a very bonding experience we're, we're probably going to be bonded for life uh i we separated and i ended his career um would i go about it the same way now you know being older being wiser um maybe not but you know you like i said it's a constant growth uh it's hard to look back and sort of be like you know i could change this i could change this i could change this but you can't change anything you've just got to keep growing and uh, you know hoping you can be the best that you can be 
And if we go back to that, your match with Cracker Jack that ended his career, it was brutal. One of the most violent matches I've ever seen at an mm. MCW show. It tore the house down too. And I think it opened a lot of eyes um, to maybe fans who had, you know, seen the fresh-faced Lockie Hendricks, you know, mm. doing his thing, rah-rah, you know, having fun with the crowd. And then we saw that vicious side. Did that feel like a turning point in your career? Oh, of course, I think... When you do something that uh, ruthless to someone, especially ending their career, but not just ending their career, you know, doing it in such a vicious way, of course, people will look at you differently. Uh, you know, when people see that side of you or see what you've become, uh, of course, people will see you differently. And I, uh, when people saw me like that, I, I fed off it. I, I wanted people to hate me. I wanted people to hate what I was because I wanted to be that person. And like I said, now I look back, at, like I, I wouldn't do that now to my brothers and sisters. But back then it was very, I want you to not see what you once saw. Lockie, you're a man that a lot of people go in and see someone loud, flamboyant. They see, they see more of a oh, character. <laughs> well, they see. You're welcome. But they see more of the character rather than the great technical wrestler that you are. And I remember seeing your match with Slex and thinking to myself, going, "Is that actually? Is that Lockie? He's." He's a really, really good wrestler. So, how do you, how do you, what do you say to the fans that sort of pigeonhole you as a character as opposed to the all-round professional wrestler? <laughs> to quote a, uh, an idol of mine, I'm a song and dance man. <laughs> uh, that's an Andy uh, Kaufman. I almost said Andy Coyne. No, that's an Andy <laughs> Kaufman reference. Um, but no, I, uh, I am proud of who I am. Uh, I am proud that I see Loverboy as, you know, a man of all trades. Uh, people say I'm a good character. <laughs> You've just got to know me. Loverboy is me. Uh, and uh, with, the, with my wrestling, I have such a passion for wrestling and I always try to be the best wrestler that I can be, constant evolving my style, my skill. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the art of wrestling. If people want to, if I'm not someone's cup of tea, that's fine because I'm my own cup of tea and Loverboy likes his tea hot <laughs> and spicy. I don't know. <laughs> Another great example of that that I think would have surprised people when it came to just straight up wrestling and Lockie Hendricks stealing the show, 2019 MCW Fallout, I believe, yeah. pretty much at late notice, you had to jump in and take the main event spot, go mm. up against one of the country's best in-ring talents, Robbie Eagles, and you guys tore the house down. If there was any doubt that you could hang with the best, I think that sort of ended that yes that was a very uh that was a very rewarding match uh you wrestle someone like robbie eagles who's done so much in australia and outside of australia and has brought so many eyes to the australian scene it was I, again back then i didn't look at it as you know the honor that was being bestowed upon me i thought he was the lucky one to wrestle lover boy uh but now looking back you, you do feel like you, it is special um, and I, I thank you for saying that that proved how good of a wrestler I am. I am very proud of my wrestling in that match. 
Um, you know, I, I won the match a bit cheeky. Uh, if it, uh, you know, who, who's to say that had I not been that way, I would have still won, but who knows? <laughs> well, you won the match. That's all that counts, really. Mm. People, you know, history only remembers the winners. Um, with that match, though, how much notice did you have that you would be in the main event? And did that add any pressure? Or for you, was that just another day at the office? Like, I'll do what I'm told and I'll take any opportunity that comes my way. Slex, unfortunately, had been injured that night. So Robbie decided, no, I'm not going to, you know, I, I've, I've still been booked. The fans have still paid to see me. So, you know, I'm going to teach <laughs> this little pink hair punk a lesson. Um, so, yeah, for me, wrestling is always another day at the office of I am there to win. I am there to wrestle the best that I can wrestle, uh, no matter what the situation or the circumstances. Um, like I was saying before about compromise, wrestling is also about being ready for the surprises because more so than anything, the surprises are what happen in wrestling. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, 100% there. And look, you talk about um, eyes on Melbourne City Wrestling. In mm-hmm. in the past couple of years, the Australian wrestling scene has just exploded so much. We're almost being seen as this hidden gem. Like, how is it tucked away all the way down there? Mm. And when you see companies like Ring of Honor and uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Progress take interest in what we do at the Thornbury Theatre and what we do in our country and in Melbourne, do you sort of say, all right, well, that's something to add to my list to do? Oh, of course. I think, again, the wrestling is constantly about evolving and, you know, going to other places and all that. Um, what's very cool, I find, is that when I started, you know, you never knew what Australian wrestling was going to become and it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And uh, I think it'd be tremendous for the, you know, the people who have wrestled long before me who would have never thought that Australian wrestling would get these opportunities uh, and that MCW and was sort of able to rise and get those, you know, eyes on it. Um, yeah, you've got to be very thankful to everyone that, you know, put in the hard work to have that happen because it doesn't just happen. It's, it's quite, um, it's quite, you know, like when I think about the boy who wrestled his first match six years ago, it's quite shocking to think what has happened since then. Yeah. 100%. And it's weird too, for me, because being, as you know, being a wrestling fan growing up, it's not sometimes easy to be a wrestling fan. And I'm sure it's even oh. harder to be a wrestler when you have to go about in society, letting people know, Hey, what are you doing on your weekend? Lucky? Oh, I'm just going to go out into the Thornbury theater. Oh, what are you doing there? We've got MCW fallout. Oh, what's that? So how do you sort of balance the real life with the, the whole universe of professional wrestling? I'm I'm a very proud advocate for professional wrestling. I was as a fan, uh, probably to a fault. <laughs> like I was always very much that I love this. I and I love professional wrestling, and I love saying I'm a professional wrestler. And um, if people try, you know, you you get the same sort of comments and that. And I I just don't let it phase me now. For me, I'm proud of what I am. I'm proud of what I do, and. I think that's an important thing for all wrestlers to have, that to be proud of the profession we're doing and the good work that we're doing. 
Well, I think on that note, we can transition pretty nicely into some other wrestling fans because the MCW fans have sent in some questions on the MCW socials. So, Lockie, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. So first up from Facebook, Elijah Zach Hobby asks, who is your dream opponent in Australia and then also internationally? Dream opponent in Australia. There's so many talent that I am big fans of in Australia. Uh, So I'm trying to think of names. I'd love to go head-to-head with Richie Taylor again. We're both one and one. Um, Who else? Uh, I'm a big fan. There's a lot of people I've wrestled as well, so I don't want to say the same names that I've wrestled. Um, Sam Osborne, I think, is tremendously talented. Who else? I've never wrestled uh, Matty Wahlberg. Um, he's, uh, you know, we've got our history. Sorry, I've got a flurry of names. Just <laughs> Kai Drake. Kai Drake. I, I, I love Kai Drake's work. Headhunter Rig as well. Um, Tony Villani is also a big, like a big match for me that I'd love to have. Um, I think he's tremendously talented. Uh, in the in international circumstances, well, my answer sort of goes a bit into a weird territory. I don't believe Andy Kaufman's dead. Uh, I think he's been <laughs> taking his death for the last how long, nearly 40 years. Uh, so I'd love to give him a wrestle on Saturday Night Live. Um, but if, if, you know, if he needed a tag partner, I think me and uh, Kaufman against Jerry Lawler and... One of the taxi co-stars could have been pretty entertaining and fun. Uh, well, we know Danny so, yeah, DeVito's still around. We can throw him in there. Hey, Danny DeVito is the trash man from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> that, that's a good tag match. Um, not, it might not be a uh, wrestling clinic, but uh, it would be something. <laughs> yeah, the pundits might not give that one five stars, but mm. uh, it should, I'd certainly would go, go high on my Richter scale. Uh, yeah. One from Twitter, and this one... Knowing how much you love professional wrestling, I would yes. love to hear your answer to this. This one's from Gunnar Matthews. Lockie, if you weren't a wrestler, what occupation would you pick instead? I've already used the song and dance man quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, something in performance. I, I, I love performing. It's, uh, the, the reason I love professional wrestling is because it's such a spectrum of everything. It's, it's got all different types of performances involved in it. So I think that's why I was attracted to it so much. Um, I think if, if, you know, performance is off the table, um, I'd like to be a paper salesman at the Michael Scott Paper Company. That would be fun. (laughs) Or, you know, maybe a writer on Curb. I I think I'd be very good at that. Curb your enthusiasm. Uh, Yeah, one of those. One of those. So my, my, you know, my... uh, Secondary jobs are still dream jobs. So <laughs> so if we take the physicality out of it, either way, it's still in the performance realm, still creative. Yes, always. We'll get another from uh, Twitter here. Kyle wants to know, what's your favourite match in your career? That is a hard question because you enjoy so many matches for different reasons. I'm proud of the match I had with Crackerjack. I especially because I won. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm proud of, one was my first MCW tag title win. That sticks out as a moment that uh, I'll never forget, like that win 
Uh, another one, I, I'm, I'm proud of a lot of the work I've done with younger talent. Uh, and like I love when I've done shows like in festivals and carnivals and all that because they're like there's having those matches that are very like big and those moments and you know wearing you know certain gear and having that entrance but the fun of wrestling shines at those festival and carnival shows and it's where you get to experiment a lot uh and the fans are <laughs> the fans are something at some of those towns um but yeah no i i yeah again uh, my favorite match is a spectrum there's so many different factors of what makes my favorite match it's almost like asking what's your favorite breath of air you took well all of them they're yes. all great <laughs> yes and this one's a fun one from Julian on Facebook. This is something I never no. thought about it, but I think it should be asked. In your old entrance video, why does the lady on the phone say, hey, it's your lover boy, baby? <laughs> it hurts my head every time I try and figure it out. Just let the art happen. Just let the <laughs> art happen. It's, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's up to it's up to you to decide why she says it. <laughs> cryptic, cryptic. It's up I to like in, it. it's up to interpretation. You've answered the question with more questions, I think, for the fans <laughs> out there. Yes. Um, Julian also <laughs> asked for a memorable moment at Ballroom Brawl. Of course, you were showered with all the toilet paper. He's asked, yes. "Do you wish you'd kept all the toilet paper, or really, did you keep the toilet paper?" I did not keep the toilet paper. Um, those people who paid for it and threw it at me are probably, you know, regretting that decision <laughs> at these times. Um, it would be quite funny to see what the reaction to all that toilet paper being thrown now would be. Um, I, di- I didn't keep any of the toilet paper. I remember that moment. Uh, they, were, they, they, they were hating old. They were hating my cheekiness that night um and then they did it it was it was very funny i i will give respect i was very uh surprised by the pink toilet paper impressive i uh, don't think you'd be getting pink toilet paper now though <laughs> probably not top dollar for that i think one more from facebook uh how did it, this one's from um from daniel how do you stay sharp in the ring, especially now when we can't really, you know, go out and exercise? I mean, how do you sort of keep that match fitness with you? I think it's all about keeping the mind healthy because uh, physically, unless I, you know, start, you know, taking big, you know, bumps and trying to hurt myself in the backyard, I can't really uh, do any training. But I think it's always about keeping your mind focused about wrestling, watching, uh, thinking about it, thinking about what's next, what's going to happen after this lockdown's over. Um, so always trying to keep sharp like that because I think, and it's the same when wrestling is around, I think an important aspect of wrestling is your mind. Uh, I think everyone sort of thinks it's about the physical side of it, but with wrestling you should be cerebral, you should be meticulous with everything you do, and that does come from the mind. So I think it's the same, not not it's different, but there's similarities between lockdown and in, you know, non-lockdown life. <laughs> is that a piece of advice you pass on to the students at the MCW Academy? Because, of course, it's a different world now. The Academy is so much more high-tech and it's sort of world-class facilities compared to how people broke into the business years ago, even when you did, compared to now it's come so far. 
Mm. Is there any like piece of wisdom that you wish you got back then that you make sure to pass on now to the future generation? I think like, yeah, always keep your mind sharp. I think other wisdom, I guess, because I'm a very wisdomatic man, if that's not a word, but now I'll take it. It um, is now. <laughs> um, is, uh, B, you've, always, you've got to learn to make mistakes. Um, it's a risk, uh, but you've got, that's uh, very important that you've got to make mistakes. Uh, and, then, you know, I think that's a life advice as well but you've just got to grow and i think that's very important with the academy is like you're going to make mistakes you can't help it but you know just keep doing you keep working hard and eventually you know some of those mistakes will become successes and you'll laugh about the mistakes you made even though we are in these you know rather uncertain times at the moment i see via the socials and uh, on numerous and instagram story that you're still very hands on at the mcw academy you know nurturing that next crop of mcw stars that'll be coming through it's uh, it's really cool to see it's not really a question but it's cool to see how much you're giving back to what is going to be the next generation i i think a lot of the talent like especially the younger talent are very uh, like there's potential and i remember um, Paul London of all people, because he was there when I first started and he, he was so like, he kept saying how like young I was and that, you know, your passion is just so, you know, exhilarating. And it's sort of the same thing, you know, new people seeing, you know, how they're reacting to, sorry, how they're reacting to it all. Like, like all these things, you know, that aren't the first time for me are for them. Uh, I wouldn't have been that way a year ago. I would have told them to get out of the business because the business was lover boys. Um, but now it's very uh, fulfilling to see their growth and everything. Well, that's awesome. And I think as we wrap up, it's worth, I think worth asking, you know, you've been quite a groundbreaker for new talent rising through the scene. Since then, we've seen so many of the talent in Australia. They've gotten their chances overseas. Does that make you proud to see how they've all grown? Um, oh. um, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Can you, what do you mean by that question? Sorry. Oh, well, you know, like we're seeing so many, like, uh, overseas, there's so many Australian talents that are just doing... No, 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 sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Are, are, are you saying that, you know, they've all been good enough to get, you know, overseas, but Loverboy, you know, couldn't be good enough. Surely Loverboy no, couldn't no, no, be no, good no, enough no. to get no. overseas. That's not what you're asking, right? Certainly not. No, no. We're, we're saying, are you proud, sort of, for your, you know, yeah, the, the brethren you've seen come up? Yeah, they've been no, no, a ring sure with that, them. Like, you know? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been really polite the whole interview, but it kind of gives me the vibe that you're saying, oh, all these people who were inspired by you, you know, you helped this crop, but no, that you know. They were good enough to get these opportunities, but Lover Boy, oh no, he wasn't good enough. He he had to stay here. That's kind of the impression I'm getting right now. Uh, look, it's no, don't laugh. But, it's kind, but, of, no, it's, no, it's, it's kind of the impression I'm getting right now. That's what you're giving me. You're trying to tell me that that's not what you're giving me, but it's kind of how you know. Like, was that a fan question? That's very insulting by that fan. I've come to this podcast. I've been very polite. <laughs> you. You're you're gonna end it like that. You're gonna end it like that. Like, like, Look, like we, you're both professionals. I, 
We yeah, yeah we yeah. didn't mean any offence. No, we can no, we can no, worry, start it again. Like, no, 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 it's just that there, there have been a lot of Australians. See you later. See you. No, there, Thank you for your time. No, Thank no, you for your time. Boy, See think, you I, later. See you later. I think he uh, really misunderstood our question there because you know there there have been a lot of Australians that are doing some pretty good things. Uh, That's a weird note to end episode one on. Maybe we can get him back. I don't know can, if we ended on that. Uh, well, look, either way, uh, this is why we, we should really purge all of some of these questions that are on our Facebook page. But anyway, um, I guess we get to we thank Lockie for, for his help. Absolutely. Like one of the greatest talents. I think we've had a bit of a misunderstanding there. Um, Keep your questions coming in, though. Keep your questions coming in. When you do see a yeah. post, um, we can't control their reactions, obviously. But We'll be the filter for those questions that you have, I suppose, yeah. and we'll take the brunt of it. Um, and and look, don't put a filter on the questions. Just put them out there. We'll ask them. And if it if it goes good, then thumbs up. If it goes bad, well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we do want you to be part of the show. So make sure you keep following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Melbourne City Wrestling. You'll find us there. And of course, use the hashtag MCWWired to ask your questions and get your questions heard on the next podcast. We'll be back in another fortnight with another massive special guest. In the meantime, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts, including on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a review as well. We'd really appreciate it. Give us five stars. Until then, stay safe. Catch you next time.